Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where DBAs and crew are going to ruminate on the great and spacious beehive. Today is August 27, 2023. We're going to talk about the LDS Church helping Hawaii Maui residents in the aftermath of a terrible fire. The James Huntsman lawsuit is still going on, and we'll give you a brief update about that. There's also the church is trying to put a temple into the rustic and rural neighborhoods in Cody, Wyoming. There's been some new developments that you're not going to want to miss. And finally, we have uh, Gail Miller, who's been in the news. Uh, she's donated a lot of money to the church, and uh, sh she's been featured in the church news. And one more bonus is that BYU-Idaho has updated the honor code policy. You're not going to want to hear, uh, you're not going to want to miss what they've got here. So if you want to get in touch with us, we're at uh, mormonnewsroundup.org or www.mormonnewsroundup.org. I'd like to uh, invite onto the program our longtime uh, co-host here, Al. Al, how's it going? I'm so glad to be here this week, Divas. Thank you very much for the invite to come on. You know, it, it really is kind of a crapshoot when it comes to um, the news, uh, doing a news podcast. You never know what's going to come up. But this week, I am so fortunate that I get to uh, come back and guest host with this uh, with this week's news because it's a good one. It's juicy. This is going to be really, really good. Now, um, you know, Al, right off the bat here, we have Donald Trump. He was indicted, but this is the LDS connection here. When the mm -hmm. temple worker, uh, this is what the temple worker looks like when I forget my recommend. Oh, yeah, that's a, that is the scowl. There is like pure hatred and <laughs> anger. I, I mean, those eyes are just. It reminds me of uh, when Jerry Seinfeld uh, would say Newman's uh, name, and he said, the way that I do that is I just take all the hate and uh, negative emotions I feel, and I just channel that into saying Newman, and that's exactly. what those eyes say. <laughs> yeah, a funny story. I actually, uh, I didn't have, when I, when I was getting married to my wife in the Mount Timpanogos Temple, uh, my uh, state president had failed to endorse the recommend, so there was an issue. We had to call him on the phone on the day oh. of. But, so, yeah, that temple worker, uh, th that is giving me PTSD flashbacks yeah, there. You, you have seen that glare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one more meme for you that goes along with this. Uh, and this is, uh, on the left, you know, we had Donald Trump when he very first announced for president. He looks healthy. He looks good. He looks mm -hmm. um he looks he looks chipper. Then we have the mugshot from the Fulton County indictment here, and this is um this is the tweet that goes with it. Your grandpa on the day of your baptism versus the grandpa on the day you announce you've left the church. Oh yeah, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> that, pretty, that pretty much sums it up for me. Or um I've got one more meme for you. Tell me which one of these three you like. Uh, this is your bishop after a member of the church tells them that they can pay a full tithing, but then they gave it to a, a different charity rather than the church. Oh, that fits very well too. Yeah, oh which one? Goodness. Which one do you like out of those three? Oh, for heaven's sake, Steve! You got you just got three gems here, and like, which of my children do I like the best? Um, I'm gonna go with I, I'm gonna go with the third one, the bishop. I love that yeah. one. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense. Now, for our listeners out there, you if you come on over to Spotify, you can leave us a voicemail, which we'd be happy to play on our next episode. And we are, we're also on Twitter, right, at News Mormon. Let us know which one of these memes you find to be the most enjoyable. Now, um, our first article of the week here is a follow-up here, Al, and this is from the church's official handle on X. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is expanding its charitable donations to the Hawaiian island of Maui. Uh, Christopher Waddell, um, the same guy who was on 60 Minutes, uh, first counselor and the presiding bishopric, announced that the church will give $1 million to the American Red Cross to help relief efforts um, after the uh, devastating wildfire, uh, wildfires that are sheltered to survivors, meals, medical attention. Now, I know you served your mission here um, somewhat close by there, Al. Did you, yeah. um, were you there? Or? Well, I, I have been to Lahaina. Um, Maui, uh, the zone of Maui encompasses Molokai, Lanai, and Maui, uh, the islands. I served on Molokai, so I've been to a zone conference in Lahaina uh, several times. And yeah, I, I am familiar with the area, and boy, what a tragedy this one turned out to be. Um, I'm glad that the church has decided to uh, give some contributions of charitable help, um, but the article's a little surprising, or uh, I, I should say uh, the uh, the tweet was uh, was really surprising. Now, why, why is that tweet surprising to y'all? Well, um, let's see. Are, are, are we on that tweet uh, now that where it says uh, 
uh, how long does it take for the church to make one million dollars? Oh yeah, we're we're gonna get to that. We're definitely yeah. gonna get to that point there. Um, yeah, and um, you know. Yeah, that's one I, I was looking at. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, that that tweet that you brought up. Yeah, good point. Uh, this is from at Peggy's uh, privy. It says with an estimated hundred and fifty billion dollars in investment assets and a reported seven seven percent average in uh, annual growth, the Church of Jesus Christ makes one point two million dollars every single hour from just interest alone. Now, don't don't forget here. Okay, so mm -hmm. from Ensign Peak, we're making a million dollars an hour just from Ensign Peak. We're yeah. also, Ensign Peak and tithing donations are roughly equivalent. We're also yeah. making a million dollars an hour from tithing. And there's also the third part of the church's uh, income, and that's its commercial ventures. Now, we really, no one has any idea um, in the general public how much mm -hmm. the church is making, but it owns a huge amount of farms, real estate, commercial mm -hmm. ventures, hospitality, hotels, it is, would not be surprising to me at all if they had a similar amount that was coming in from the commercial ventures, a million dollars an hour. I don't think that that is too big of a stretch. So what, what we're trying to say here is that a million dollars for the donation to Maui is about the roughly the equivalent of about 20 minutes worth of income from the church. I, I don't know how much money you make in 20 minutes, Al, but I, I don't know, maybe the roughly the equivalent of either one of us giving like five or 10 bucks. Is, would that be about right? That that sounds about accurate. So um, I, I know we're going to the Widow's Might report later on in the podcast, and I'm really excited. I love those guys, by the way. Um, but uh, the the whole story of the the Widow's Might, uh, you have this uh, this poor old lady that goes in and uh, donates from what little she has, and uh, Jesus goes and says, "Well, you know, while the, all these rich men are throwing ba uh, bags and buckets of money into the donation coffers." He's like that. She's given more than all of them, and the disciples, not you know, being the the quickest guys, are like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, she gave from her want; they gave from their abundance. And this is a like prime example of giving from your abundance versus other people giving from their want. <laughs> yeah, about five, ten bucks uh, from the rest of us. That sounds about right. Yeah, about 20 minutes, as I, as I yep. said, laid out in the numbers before. The church makes this about every 20 minutes, give or take. Now, it, we had the church, um, it released from the Wall Street Journal, did an expose, not an expose, but they cracked open the costs of LBS Temple construction a couple of months ago, in particular in the Pocatello, Idaho Temple. They were able to obtain the actual cost of that temple based on what the church submitted to the city of Pocatello, Idaho. And it turned out that that temple there, Al, was uh, worth about $69 million. So mm -hmm. if we're trying to put this into perspective here, so the church is giving $1 million to help the alleviate the human suffering in Maui, but that's only 1% of what they were spending just on the Pocatello, Idaho temple alone. So yeah. that to me is showing the priorities of the church, is the church's priorities in growing a hedge fund, in maintaining tithing donations, in its commercial ventures, in buildings, or is it in the people who are in abject suffering in Maui? Well, by their fruits you shall know them. Uh, this is—it uh, seems to me that the, where the money goes is where their, the, where the treasure is. There is your heart also. I think that's the the quote. Yeah. Yeah, from the Sermon <laughs> on the Mount. That's from right. So yeah, we, well, we see just, where the treasure's going. <laughs> Yeah, we, we certainly can. And I, I want to say that I've never donated a million dollars to anything. I don't have those kind of resources. I haven't come anywhere close. Oh, you uh, and me both. <laughs> yeah, um, this is just amazing. I saw this other tweet here on the uh, Maui incident mm -hmm. here. It says, um, you know, it's got all these different people here that were uh, killed in the uh, in the Maui. Um, it, it's got Twitter stake. It's got progressive yeah. Mormons. It's got by common consent. Mm -hmm. It's got the Exmos. They're all dead. But Desnat, mm -hmm. Al, it's alive and well. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you, you got some gems on here this week. This is this is great. <laughs> I, I just I, I revel in what I see as ir irony. Okay, there's yeah. just a lot of irony in this story. Oh, yeah, in, in this whole show this week, this is great because yeah. I mean that especially the temples. I mean, this is like the the church is trying so hard to dot the whole planet with these temples. And all that it's doing is uh, just revealing how um, what, how uh, the ostentatiousness of a building a, a building that's going to sit for the most part empty and useless to the community, other than just a big stone building, big stone structure, uh, while the community around it suffers. 
Yeah. I mean, if you go back to remember to that Wall Street Journal article, which was released a couple of months ago, which was talking about the Pocatello, Idaho Temple. Again, we had Bishop Kaze who came in and said that his vision and also the senior leader's vision of the church is, and his word is grandiose. It's a yeah. grandiose vision of the church, which means that if you're giving a lot of money to people who are suffering in Maui, that doesn't fulfill a grandiose mission of the church. That's nope. why the, that's why we have a five billion dollars just President Nelson alone has announced $5 billion in temple construction, mm -hmm. but we only see $1 million in, uh, in Maui. We see $44 million to the World Food Bank, I think it was uh, two weeks ago. But mm -hmm. we're just seeing what, where is the priority? What is the percentages here? They're not remotely close. You know what I yeah. mean? $1 million in Hawaii is not going to go very far towards rebuilding. No, it absolutely won't. The church, I also want to transition to our next article here. This is, uh, uh, the church is also spending money on these uh, young adult, single adult uh, events in Salt Lake City here. Yeah, this the is church, odd. Yeah, the church is taking a lot, uh, a, a bigger approach to this, you know, kind of a more evangelical approach here. What, what are we seeing here, Al? We, we see a bunch of uh, kids that are have, uh, trying to have a good time. They want to have a good time, but they don't. They don't really know how. This is really uncomfortable for them. So I, I, I don't know if uh, anybody watching this can see the looks on these kids' faces. They look a little out of place and they, like they aren't quite sure what to do. They don't feel very comfortable doing this. It's not coming very naturally. <laughs> um, but hey, this is what uh, young people around the world are doing. They're having fun. They're going to concerts. They're waving their hands in the air. They're, they're supposed to be having a good time. They just don't really know how to have a good time or if it's okay to have a good time like this uh, yet, is it? <laughs> I mean, this is in the Salt Palace Convention Center. Uh -huh. and th this is nothing compared to when I was growing up in the church. We, I never uh, participated in anything remotely like this. Oh, no, we were we, we were taught very harshly against this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and Al, I, I just I honestly I miss the old days where we just practice the simple religion. And, and, and I think about, you know, those incantations to appease Spanish guardian spirits or, or the amulets endowed with powers from celestial bodies or, or slitting the throats of dogs to find buried treasure or fighting magical toads in boxes. I think we should go back to a simpler religion, Al. That's just my opinion. Yeah, give me some of that old time religion. <laughs> <laughs> The kind grandma used to make, yep. <laughs> uh, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't. They actually, oh, my goodness. <laughs> the more that I think about that, the more that I think that we shouldn't do that, actually. Um, but five, hey, if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, we really need those five-star reviews. If you could take a minute, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. We'd uh, greatly appreciate it. And subscribe while you're at it. Now, Al, uh, I was hoping that you would take the lead on this because we have an update here from the James Huntsman lawsuit here. Uh, we've seen some um, stuff taking place this week. In fact, just last Monday, what's going on with James Huntsman and his uh, lawsuit of trying to get his tithing back? Yeah, so um, Sam Brunson uh, from By Common Consent, um, I guess this is the second or, or the follow-up article that he's written, and it's been a long time of coming. It's It's been months since he uh, last commented on the on this lawsuit situation, but... Okay, so what's been happening is that James Huntsman uh, has appealed the district court um, decision, and the district court was a panel of three judges, and uh, they sided with the church and said, no, there's uh, there's not enough reason to go forward with this lawsuit. Uh, so his appeal um, went from the three judges um, up to nine judges on the district court. So the, the whole district court panel is going to take a look at this and decide is there enough reason to go forward with this and the nine judges uh, all looking at this together said yeah as a matter of fact there's enough reason to go forward so this is um just one step in the process of this lawsuit because the church is trying really really hard to get this shut down but since these nine judges on the district court have said it can go forward, that opens the church up to discovery, which means that the church is going to have to turn over to James Huntsman their financials, since that's what this uh, whole um, thing is about, is that he says, well, I want to see where the financials of the church are, where what's coming in and what's going out, because the lawsuit is all about, he was told, 
that his tithing money um, was going straight to uh, the maintenance of the church and the uh, charitable uh, things to, you know, help those who are in need, right? But he said he did not uh, agree to give his tithing to the church so that they could use it for commercial enterprise like City Creek Mall and bailing out DMBA. Um, so the, the Des Deseret Mutual Insurance. Yeah, Deseret Mutual, yeah. That's right. <clears throat> Deseret Mutual Insurance, uh, that one, they said, well, that's not really a commercial en enterprise, so uh, that one doesn't really qualify. However, the City Creek Mall, there's nothing that it is other than a commercial enterprise. Um, well, but I, I'll just put one point of clarification. The, the, the mutual insurance company, the church did, pay, did, did according to Bishop Waddell, the church mm -hmm. gave a loan to yeah. the Deseret Mutual Insurance Company, which you could mm -hmm. consider to be a bailout. And non nonprofits are allowed to give loans to for-profit entities. Deseret That's Mutual right. Insurance is a for-profit entity. The, the issue was is that there was no public church statements saying that tithing would not be used for loans for yeah. Deseret Mutual Insurance. However, this is the big rub here. There were a number of statements from senior church leaders, including President Hinckley in 2003, which said that no tithing has been or would is being used or would be used in the construction of the City Creek Mall. Those mm -hmm. statements now are under severe scrutiny, and the appeals court here has said that uh, a reasonable juror may conclude that James Huntsman felt that his tithing would not be used for City Creek Mall, but... Um, it, it, it very well, uh, depending on how you define tithing, it could have been used in that purpose. That's why we're at yeah. where we're at. Exactly. And uh, it's going to come down to a lot of things like the church uses the same term for tithing, whether it's talking about the tithing that's the direct donations from the members or if it's the interest that's been gained from the investing the tithing that's been donated by the members. So I think he's got a pretty good case, especially since um, if you if we if you and I were to go and look back at every church manual, every uh, conference talk, everything that uh, the church has said it does with its tithing, um, have, have you seen anywhere where the church says, "Oh well, it uses it to uh, invest in real estate, uh, invest in the stock market"? Now that that's no look. Let me just say it's no problem if there's nowhere in a manual that says that it won't invest in commercial in commercial ventures because that's not a lie. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have to tell the members what you're going to do with the tithing at all. The only thing that you can't do is you can't say we're not going to use your donations for this and then yeah. use your donations, use your donations for, that. for this. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, if the church had been completely silent on City Creek Mall, mm -hmm. James Huntsman would have no leg to stand on whatsoever. And that's why the, the circuit court threw out the, uh, the Deseret Mutual Insurance is because there were no public statements about Deseret Mutual Insurance. True. The church so, never said anything about it, right? Right. So if the church had just kept its mouth shut, we wouldn't be in or, or had told a very, very transparent truth. Mm -hmm. You could have told the truth that says that we are funding City Creek Mall, we, that, that, that we take your tithing. The excess portion we put into an investment fund, and then mm -hmm. the re, uh, the returns from that investment fund, we're going to put those into City Creek. You could have said that, or you could have just said nothing, and James Huntsman would have no leg to stand on whatsoever. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I just am looking back uh, thinking, is there any place where the church says it does anything with uh, tithing funds other than Oh no! What we use tithing funds for is for maintaining the church, for paying the light bill, for uh, building temples and uh, church houses. Uh, it, it doesn't ever say that it uh, goes into investments and uh, real estate holdings, etc. Right. So yeah, this is. I think he's got a pretty good case that's coming up, and I guess the nine uh, judge panel for the district court agreed. Uh, so well, yeah, Robert, it can go forward. This has only gone to the three-judge panel, but it could the, the church could appeal this and eventually mm -hmm. take it to a nine-judge panel. So oh, the, okay. the appeals court was a three-judge panel. Two of the uh, judges yeah. agreed with yeah. James Huntsman, who said that he thought that the statements from the church leaders said that absolutely no tithing would be used for CD Creek Mall, mm -hmm. but um, it appears that it was. So let me just read one more quote from this article here. It says, uh, has Huntsman won? This is from the Sam Brunson by Common Consent. It said, mm -hmm. far from it at this point. The court merely said that as a matter of law, it's possible, possible that he was defrauded. He still faces the burden of demonstrating, number one, 
that the church's statement that it didn't use tithing money to build City Creek Mall was fraudulent, and two, that he relied on that statement in paying his tithing. Both, I think, are heavy lifts, and both lifts are his. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he's, he's not, this isn't a slam dunk, but um, it no, is. That, a, it, that, that was a great quote. I'm glad that you uh, that you pulled that one out because, yeah, that one's one that, this is by, by no means over or uh, we haven't even begun to fight this is really a, a good term for it. Yeah, and the Salt Lake Tribune t- covered this in a Mormon Land podcast, which I listened to, and it says, uh, where does it stand? What's that issue? Will it succeed? It's then President Gordon B. Hinckley's general conference remarks mm-hmm. that are at the heart of the dispute, but James Huntsman fraud case still faces many, many challenges. And of course, uh, James Huntsman here is a part of the Huntsman family who was the governor of Utah for many years. And of mm-hmm. course, it's President Hinckley's uh, statement in particular in 2003 that is the biggest issues here, saying that you paid for um the city creek mall with funds from invested reserves mm-hmm. um and saying that that's not tithing that in other that may be a distinction without a difference okay? that's right mm-hmm. that's that's the core of the argument here and yeah. so you know if this goes to discovery oh <laughs> <coughs> sorry i'll edit that out so if this ends up going to discovery that's where the church is going to have to reveal some of its finances and that mm-hmm. you know the James Huntsman could ask the subpoena senior church leaders, you know, because some of them back even back in that time frame were members of the Quorum of the Twelve. Uh, President mm-hmm. Nelson on the stand, a uh, presiding bishopric on the stand. I mean, wow, this could be big. Yeah, what we're seeing here uh, is reminiscent of like when you have um, a couple of really big uh, generals going at each other in a war, right? Um, not like our next topic, which is a little bit more David and Goliath, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this one. You've got a couple of big um, titans clashing here. Yeah. Um, now, before we get to the uh, David and Goliath story, I just want to, uh, the Widow's Might Report released a report, uh, released a quick update this week, and I just wanted to touch mm-hmm. on it here. And uh, that's that some of the information from the appeals court um, from the James Huntsman lawsuit, the church was forced into revealing some of the, um, how much money it was making from Ensign Peak during mm-hmm. this time frame. Okay, so that's pretty juicy stuff because the church is loath to reveal anything about how much money it makes, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, they they guard that. (laughs) Yeah, so here is the appeals court filing. It's validating David Nielsen's uh, Enzyme Peak data. So the church church record submitted to the uh, California Court of Appeals in 2023 show that Enzyme Peak made $3.9 billion dollars in total invested profits in 2013. And guess what, Al? That tracks really well with what David Nielsen told us. David Nielsen has been vindicated once again. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, the people saying, well, this is just a disgruntled employee that uh, he he, he just, you know, tell a bunch of lies. Um, Those lies are turning out to be pretty dang accurate truths. Yeah, so he said that the church made $3.9 billion in 2003. That was accurate. Also, records also validated the total value of the church's investment in City Creek Mall. So David Nielsen said that the church invested $1.4 billion. And the mm-hmm. amount that the church uh, disclosed to the California Court of Appeals, it said that it spent $1.438 billion. David, and it seems like in almost every turn, David mm-hmm. Nielsen's whistleblower complaint seems to be accurate time and time again now. That's right. So good on David for uh, for seeing the light and then blowing the whistle. Yeah. Now, that's not the only lawsuit that's uh, reached the news here this week. And this is kind of an obscure one here, Al. But I found it. I subscribed to Church Beat, which is written by Tad Welch, who does a fantastic mm-hmm. job, by the way, of covering the uh, church. I think he does a great yeah. job here. Mm-hmm. Now, this lawsuit here, there's a lawsuit that's challenged Colorado's universal preschool programs ban on funding for religious preschools. So in Colorado, um, a couple of years ago, they made a law that says, okay, we're going to fund universal preschool, and that that was supposed to also include religious organizations. About this is that the um, there's a firm of religious liberty lawyers whose mm-hmm. who's, the church has filed amicus briefs in the past to be a part of. Um, the church has tried to file uh, was mm-hmm. filed an amicus, you know, friend of the court briefs, uh, saying that the federal lawsuit against Colorado to protect the ability of two Catholic church preschools to participate in the state's universal pre-kindergarten program should go mm-hmm. forward. So it, it's interesting to me, Al, to see that whenever someone's religious liberty uh, mm-hmm. seems to be in question, then the church wants to become a friend of the court, even if the church is not directly mm-hmm. involved, because obviously the church does not run any preschools. 
Yeah, um, what the church is involved in is the uh, law firm Beckett that's bringing the lawsuit forward. So uh, Beckett is, I, I guess, just a, a law firm. Um, it's not Curtin McConkie. It's not affiliated with the church. But there are several LDS uh, lawyers who are a part of this uh, company or a lot part of this law firm. And so they're uh, taking on the state of Colorado saying, and it's really interesting to me that they're going after the language of it, saying, well, if it's universal, then it has to be universal. It has to be for everybody. It can't be just for a few um, or, or everybody except for the religious. And, you know, th there is a case there, but uh, the funny thing is, is in the previous uh, in the previous uh, articles that we were talking about, the issue is that uh, uh, Gordon B. Hinckley said that you know, well, is it tithing or is it uh, investments and returns? Um, you know that. So it's it's all about the wording, right? Uh, it seems to be that that's where the the whole uh, battle is going to be fought is in the the field of the words. Yeah, definitely. Let me read just one little section here that also caught my eye on this uh, Beckett mm -hmm. Law Firm. In 2012, Beckett awarded President Dallin H. Oaks, the first counselor in the church's first presidency, with mm -hmm. its Canterbury Medal given each year to someone who, quote, has resolutely and publicly refused to render to Caesar that which is God's. What's your reaction to this uh, award here, Al? Uh, boy, it's it. Well, I'll tell you, Beckett's definitely a... Uh, a religious law firm then um the fact that they're using the canterbury medal uh well that canterbury cathedral is where thomas beckett for which i'm assuming beckett uh is named um was was uh, uh murdered uh by order of king henry the eighth but um <clears throat> you know this is this all really ties to religious things and so you know rendering to caesar that which is gods that's another one uh where jesus said well render to caesar that which is caesar and render to god that which is god's um refusing to render to caesar that which is god so like you know standing resolutely uh i, I think that <laughs> i boy I, I i think there's other people besides down on jokes that render to uh god that which is god's um or are better examples of that well, I find this to be a very ironic quote, saying that uh, yeah. he has resolutely refused to render to Caesar that which is God's. Well, he's he's refused to render to Caesar that which is Caesar. He's yeah, been exactly. a member of, He's been a member of the first presidency during the, e the entire EPA debacle, mm -hmm. where the church refused to disclose the uh, necessary uh, funds to the federal government. Yeah. He's refused time and time again. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's tried to fight um, taxes. He's tried to keep the church's tax-exempt status continuously yeah. you know very true yeah um also as far as one of the most um what hateful people this is somebody who speaks time and time again against um the lgbtq community uh and it's one of the biggest uh what uh one of the biggest uh advocates against it i should say so yeah <laughs> You know, yeah. and also Dallin Oaks is presumably involved with the Australia uh, Shell uh, uh, LDS Charities mm -hmm. debacle, which just took place in the last year, where the church is alleged under a massive uh, tort in Australia, and also has has, has come to the um, has come you know the Australian Tax Authority, mm -hmm. the ATA, is looking at the uh, church's uh, uh, questionable Australian uh, um, tax loopholes that the church tried to take advantage of and since shut down. So uh, presumably, Dallin Oaks was involved with that, too, since it was um, hundreds of millions of dollars. So it, yeah. it's amazing. You know, you continue to publicly not try to give Caesar that which is Caesar's, but then you're giving awards to it. And then you're filing amicus briefs. Uh, you know, it's just it's, it's a tangled web. It's just it's it's a big mess. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll take the award back from him, but um, I don't think he really deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of law stuff in the in the news this week, Al, and yeah. I know that you were following mm -hmm. this one pretty close too. You referenced yeah. it earlier. LDS mm -hmm. Goliath versus Cody David: A sad story of loss. What's going on this week in the Cody Wyoming mess, Al? Yeah. So um, uh, now that we've had Goliaths versus Goliaths, we get on to the Goliaths versus David. So <clears throat> the Zoning and Planning Commission, or let's see, I think they call it the PNZ Commission. Uh, which is a bunch of volunteers in the city of Cody, Wyoming. 
they got uh, challenged by the church. And so, you know, the church has this, you know, huge uh, legal arm behind them saying, we're going to sue the crap out of you until we get what we want. And so all of these uh, little volunteers up in Cody, Wyoming are just like, okay, well, we're, we're not going to fight. Um, fine. You know, you want your way, have your way. And uh, the church is really looking like a bully here that uh, they want what they want. They, and they've got the money to do it. And the people of Cody, Wyoming, they, they have just a couple of issues when it comes to this temple that's going to be built. And the temple is basically pre-built. They just, you know, have to put the pieces together on site. It's yeah. waiting to yeah. be assembled. Yeah. And the church is just sitting there chomping at the bit to, to get it uh, set up. And, and the people of Cody, Wyoming, the first issue that they had in July when they went before the Planning and Zoning Commission was, well, you're going to have a 101-foot-tall temple, 70 feet of that, or 77 feet. It's going to be a steeple, just a big spire sticking straight up out of the ground, and uh, or out of the top of the temple, I should say. <clears throat> but they... The, so they said, well, yeah, that's that's an issue, but it never really got resolved. So then uh, the church found this loophole and said, well, because these guys refused to uh, take us to court or to go to court with us, then that means that we can do everything that we want to do, including the steeple. Yeah. So now the, the mayor has kind of put an executive hold on it, saying, well, hold, hold up here, you know, surely there's something that we can do to make sure that both sides are appeased. Uh, but it seems like the church is just really hard set on getting its way and they're not going to back down. And so in the city of Cody, Wyoming, they're just, there's this prime piece of real estate and people have pointed out, well, there's a lot of, uh, uh, land or, or open space around this temple that's going to be zoned over to residential and going to, uh, have a, a, a whole subdivision put in. So somebody who owns all that land stands to make a lot of money. And I believe that they've found that they are, the, the person who owns that land has ties with somebody uh, higher up in the church. So I, it seems that that's one of the reasons why the church is so ardent about the temple being where the, the uh, present location's at. But the people of Cody, Wyoming are saying, well, you know, we have a, a a nature scape here that we don't want to be destroyed or disturbed by a big gaudy stone temple. Um, and especially with a big spire sticking straight up into it, it's going to ruin the majesty of the scenery of the mountains around us. So they're not happy about it, but the church is like, well, tough, you know, if you want to fight us, get your own $138 million of, uh, you know, um, legal backing and come after us. Uh, which just really is not the approach that the church wants to be taking uh, PR wise. This is something that is good. Even if the church gets its way and puts it up its temple and is going to be happy with all that, there's going to be a, a permanent um, divide in the city of Cody, Wyoming uh, between the LDS who are in favor of the temple and the non-LDS who are against it. Yeah, let me just read from the article here. It says the structure itself will make it impossible to forget or heal no yeah. matter what happens. Thus, we'll all be left with no winners, only losers. Thus, you have to ask if a church that prides itself on winning friends and converts is proud of its position here. If the church leaders in Salt Lake City truly want to build and maintain a festering soul in the Bighorn Basin, particularly when it is also very, very unnecessary. All they're saying is move it or take down the steeple. It doesn't have to be 77 feet high. That's all they're saying. And the church is not budging one way or at all. They're no. just saying, nope, we want what we want and we can afford it. And that's kind of the precedent that we're going to see is uh, the church is, can the church buy its way because it has all the money in the world can it buy its way into getting what it wants? And if that's the case, what kind, of, what kind of a country do we live in where you can buy your way around laws, buy your way around building regulations? Um, you know, in Smithfield, Utah, the temple there, they went to the, uh, the zoning commission and they got a, uh, 
they got lenience to build the temple, which is uh, higher than any other building in the uh, city of Smithfield. And there wasn't any pushback, mostly because it's such a heavily LDS community. But they the, the temple ran into some problems because, well, it's right in the approach pattern for the um, the Logan City Airport. So <laughs> uh, yeah. having a temple that tall is a little bit of a risk when it comes to having planes approach. And so they had to, you know, get some sort of justification and say, well, no, it's not going to be that tall. The planes are actually going to be high enough up that they won't have to worry about, you know, ripping their landing gear off on the on Angel Moroni, because I guess Angel Moroni is kind of starting to disappear from temples, as we've seen, right? Right, yeah, uh, 50, yeah. you know, um, five out of six temples do not have the Angel Moroni on the top. But to answer your question, can the church just sue and get its way? The answer is almost assuredly yes, the church yeah. can. And the Seems church will. Yeah. You know, and this is also, the this Cody group here has filed with the court to block the LDS temple and the 77-foot steeple. Um, the group fighting a proposed Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints temple in Cody has filed a petition intending to halt construction of the building and its controversial 77-foot 77 uh, 77 ceiling uh, or, or steeple. The petition came from the Preserve Our Cody Neighborhoods, a group that opposes the temple's location and its giant steeple. So, yeah, people are lawyering up on both sides here. Um, there's a... Uh, you know, there's a lot of animus that's taking place here. And one thing yeah. that I want to note here, Al, is that the church, it takes great pride on the mm -hmm. church news of providing updates on every single one of its temples. The yeah. open house, the groundbreaking, mm -hmm. the announcement, the dedication, what I, I, all of the little details for mm -hmm. all three uh, 140 temples that the church has. They're going to go through. But for some reason, Al, this week, we didn't get one update on this Cody Temple. I, I, I can't mm -hmm. imagine why. Yeah, uh, because there's no good news <laughs> any way you paint it. I mean, right. this is th this is really uh, causing a rift in the community. That uh, I love the quote for, that you said um, that you said earlier. That this is just going to forever be a reminder. I mean, the church loves to have these temples as a reminder to people, right? But oh, it's a reminder to look heavenward, to to look to God. Uh, well, this t Cody Temple is a reminder that, well, the church can bend you over whenever it wants to, as long as it's got the cash. Yeah, let me just read one more of the quote from this uh, particular article here, and we'll move along. It says, the temple controversy has led to significant division in Cody, an issue City Council member Don Shreve touched upon during the meeting last week. He encouraged those who support the temple to talk with leaders of the church about the tower height and to do something to heal the community. Quote, I question whether Cody is going to be okay. The way my phone has blown up, the emails that I get, there's a scar in this community right now. Yeah, absolutely. Don Treve is right, but I don't think that Don Treve really understands the structure of the LDS church. How do you talk to somebody about the temple within the church? I mean, that there's not a lot of access. I mean, first of all, who do you go to in the first place? And do you have access to that person? Yeah. This is, uh, we're going to be following the state. Stay with us on the Mormon News Roundup. We are going, even though the church news, KSL and the rest of those um, church-affiliated outlets and podcasts, they refuse to cover this issue. We will be covering it and watching it very carefully. So that's what you're getting with the Mormon News Roundup is the news that you just can't find anywhere else. Right, Al? Exactly. And, uh, you know, when it comes to these temples, it seems like that's going to be a a big dividing thing uh, with Cody, uh, Heber Valley Temple, especially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, that's where we first saw it, that the church is starting to really bulldoze its way through. And in Heber Valley, it's still a high enough percentage of LDS community that they're just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> they, they, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you an update on that. The update on that one is that the uh, the see the difference is, is that Wasatch County, which is where the Heber Valley Temple is, has yeah. a large tax base with a lot of money. Yeah. And the um the deputy attorney general for Wasatch County has already lawyered up. The church has engaged a law firm in um, Heber Valley in Wasatch mm -hmm. County, and they're going to fight this one because they have the resources. Cody, Wyoming, on the other hand, they don't have resources. It's a small town mm -hmm. of 10,000 people. They don't have huge million-dollar mansions like what you find in Midway, Utah. You know what I mean? So the, right. the church is going to be able to push its way and push over these smaller communities and small towns. And you're going to see an increasing see as the as the percentage of Mormons and Mormon influence continuously wanes, 
it's dropped in the last 15 years from 2008, 1.8% of Americans uh, affiliated themselves, uh, called themselves Mormons, 50% drop in the last 15 years. As Mormon influence continues to wane, as you try to push through temples into these smaller places, you will increasingly see a more vitriolic pushback. Mm -hmm. Yes, and uh, we're seeing that. And I think that's uh, just going to be more of the case going forward. The church is no longer just it seems like the the mask is slipping and so it's not just the kindly old grandfather leading the church anymore instead it's just the uh, greedy old businessman well and, and also the church used to put temples in places where it was really i would say justified you had new converts sure. you had a good mormon population that would sustain it cody mm -hmm. wyoming is none of those places you have maybe a thousand members of the church in the, yeah. in, within the surrounding our area, there's not enough uh, will. There's not enough political will on the ground mm -hmm. to get these temples over the finish line. It's going to take money. It's going to take threats. It's going to take resources, and it's mm -hmm. going to burn a lot of bridges along the way. It's already starting. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, our next article here, Al, this is from uh, Gail Miller's interview with the Church mm -hmm. News. Now, she gives insights about her family's involvement and leadership in compiling and creating the Joseph Smith Papers Collection, which was just completed a couple of months ago. This was an article was released on August 23rd, 2023, an inspiring article here about uh, what she did uh, to help with the Joseph Smith Papers Project. With Al, I know that you uh, agree with me that the Joseph Smith Papers Project was a really good uh, endeavor that the church undertook. Oh, it certainly was. I mean, this is one of the things where the church actually came out and um, published its own anti-Mormon literature. <laughs> <laughs> or say, well, try to be as transparent as it could be. Yeah, that's pro that's probably a better way of saying it. It's yeah, the, the church tried to uh, have more transparency, and so good on Gail Miller for uh, for funding that. That was a good endeavor, and I think that it's going to be a good resource going forward. Absolutely. So. Now, I wish they would do that for all of church history, not just until I believe the Joseph Smith Papers Project basically only goes up to 1844. We sure. need to have the process uh, repeated through a Brigham Young Paper Project, uh, a, you know, Lorenzo Snow Paper Project. We need a complete history mm -hmm. of the uh, of all of church history, of all documents, of everything, not being yeah. hidden in First Presidency vaults or in the mm -hmm. Granite Mountainside in um, Little Cottonwood Canyon. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I also think that uh, rather than put the uh, the drawing of Joseph Smith on the front, they need to put the daguerreotype picture of Joseph Smith on the cover of the Joseph Smith papers, too. Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. Now, Al, um, you know, we, we covered this in... Um, uh, she, she, in this article, she gives her insights about the family's involvement, and um, it's a very inspiring article about how uh, the takeaways, you know, and Al, there was four takeaways, but I came up with even more takeaways because, mm -hmm. Al, you know, we covered this in the, um, in our fifth Sunday at our church, this article. Oh, you know, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Really good, really good stuff. Um, yeah. Really good stuff here. <laughs> uh, maybe you can see where I'm going here, but we always, we don't always do a Mormon News Roundup poll of the week here. But mm -hmm. Al, we got we got one on on tap for you, and I need your help to complete this poll. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Okay, so some inspiring takeaways from Gail Miller's uh, uh, church news interview, and if you, I could just get you to read these headlines, Al, um, and let me, let me know your thoughts on that. I would appreciate that. So here is uh, and by the way, we release all of these episodes live on YouTube every Sunday night at 9:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For those of you in the live chat. Get ready to write your vote of one through 10 in the live chat as what you think is the most inspiring takeaway from Gail Miller's um, interview with the Deseret News. Okay, here we go. Uh, how about number one, Al? Number one, if you give enough money to the church, you too can be featured in the Deseret News. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you certainly can. Uh, yeah, you definitely can. And guess what that number um, is? Guess, guess what about the number is that if you want to get featured in the church news, um, Al, Guess what the number is that it, I think that it, you need to be able to donate. Uh, it's got to be seven figures at the minimum. It's, a, it's around probably... 10 million. Okay, so yeah, eight figures. All right. Yeah. But <laughs> That's kind of what I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, in the right ball, or as I like to call it, just one Cody uh, Temple Wyoming lawsuit. You know, that, right. I, I just I just calculate things in terms of Cody Temple lawsuits. You know, mm -hmm. it's just it's simpler math for me. It's easier to measure that way. Yeah. <laughs> it is now. Yeah, so Al, it, it, it's never too late. You can get featured in the Deseret News too. It's just I don't know. It takes you know ten million dollars. That's a lot of money. Yeah, you know? just about you know nine point nine million. Well, yeah, nine point nine nine million more than I have. Yeah, yeah uh, or, or as we like to call it, about an hour and a half from church income, because like we said, the mm -hmm. church makes uh, about um, 
three million dollars an hour i guess about three million dollars yeah. an hour so that's about three hours from the church yeah, income. this really puts it in perspective doesn't it yeah it does. or how about uh, that's number one or is that out number two this is the second takeaway okay everything on this planet should exist for the singular purpose of strengthening testimonies in the lds church and especially its leaders that that's not a joke al that's really the takeaway from the article I, yeah, I, I'm sure I'm surprised that's not a quote from the article. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or how about number three? Scheduling pro sporting games on the Sabbath is just fine as long as you raise the ticket prices while your church leaders look the other way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Now, if you hold hands with someone who's gay, that's a big issue. But if oh, you, yeah. um, yeah, but scheduling pro sporting games on the Sabbath, that's a big problem, right, Al? Exactly. Yeah. Got to have your priorities straight. Absolutely. Or uh, how about this one? Serving booze and selling cigarettes in the Delta Center for decades is great for the bottom line and no problem at all for the church, as long as you pay tithing on the gross and not the net. Yeah. You know, I was surprised that uh, she admitted that in the article, Al. That's shocking. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can't can't believe they printed that. Uh, but now that's, that seems pretty accurate, though, actually. It really know. does. Church, uh, as long as they get paid, they don't care what you do. Uh, yeah, because, well, let's see, uh, Marriott Hotels still had, like, porn channels, pay-per-view. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. As long <laughs> as you uh, as long as long you cut in Big Brother. Or how about this one now? Racism on the Utah Jazz ended long ago. Don't worry about those little flicks of history. Okay, now this is a deep, deep, sick, uh, this is pretty yeah. sick. What is that flicks of history? Do you know where that's from? That's a, that's a tough one, Al. I, I haven't been following okay. uh, Utah Jazz all that well over the okay. years. So. You remember uh, President Hinckley was asked on Larry King about the race and the priesthood ban, and that's what he said. Yeah. Don't worry about those little flicks of history. Oh, yeah, okay. that's the quote. Okay. Okay. This, I this do is, remember that. Yeah. <laughs> this is getting very obscure here. This is getting very obscure. Uh, okay, how about this next one, Al? Being Utah's richest woman has really helped me understand the persecution that the first presidency feels. Nice. Birds yeah. of a feather, Al. Birds of a uh-huh. feather. Yeah, I'm sure she she uh, wipes her tears away with $100 bills. Yep. Yeah, easy. How about this next one? <laughs> Brokeback Mountain is still a really evil movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's one of the worst of the worst, Al. Yeah, once again, gays holding hands it just can't be tolerated. But no. hey, you know, when it comes to keeping the Sabbath day holy, um, mm-hmm. that that's not in the Ten Commandments, is it? Uh, or serving booze, cigarettes, any of that other stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> but Brokeback Mountain, I have I have my standards, Al, and mm-hmm. so does Gail Miller. She she has her standards too. Yes, yeah, she does. Yeah. I, I wonder if she's ever seen the movie. <laughs> I, I uh, wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah, because well, I'm I'm curious where where's she getting the idea that it's an, a really evil movie? Is it just because she's heard that there's gay cowboys in it uh, <laughs> you'd have to ask her how about this next one all right uh, nepotism in the miller family business is definitely the mormon way <laughs> it sure is yeah oh, i love that little uh, uh picture down there in the the corner the, the meme nepotism easier than working your way to the top yep <laughs> yeah definitely the, the mail the miller family is all about the nepotism and you know what the church um there's a lot of nepotism there too sure does Yep. Yeah, that's the, definitely the Mormon way. How about this next one, Al? In contrast to what Jesus preached, becoming super wealthy off of your husband's death is perfectly fine, just as long as you share a piece of your post-mortem pie with your celestial big brother. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, and I, you know, like we said, pay on gross, not net. And um, yeah. here's the uh, final one here, Al. This is uh, number, uh, this is number 10. Oh, I love this one. Serving senior church missions is for the wealthy, but not the top 1% like me. Yeah, Gail Miller is not going on a mission, Al. Oh, no, why would she? she she's got too, she's too busy. She has no. so much going on. No, no, she's definitely not. The top 1%, they don't go on missions. Uh, President mm-hmm. Nelson, President uh, Eyring, President uh, mm-hmm. Oaks, uh, no, none of those folks went on a mission. But um, yeah, it's, it's, not even senior missions. These guys are all no. oh, but they're full time. No, they're they're apostles. They're uh, executives for a, a corporation. They're not they're not missionaries. This isn't something that they're volunteering to do. They get compensated. Yeah, absolutely, well compensated. Now, um, let's put, put cast your votes here in the live chat here for what mm-hmm. you think is the most inspiring takeaway from Gail Miller's interview with the Church News. And Al, what is your, um, what do you think about uh, Gail Miller's interview with the Church News? What is the most inspiring takeaway for you? 
Uh, you know, normally it seems like the poll had about oh, five to seven options. This one, it's got 10 options. So this is going to be a difficult one. Um, but let's see. I'm going to say that number nine is my favorite. In contrast to what Jesus preached, becoming super wealthy off of your husband's death is perfectly fine, just as long as you share a piece of your postmortem pie with your celestial big brother. You know, uh, I could I could get myself canceled for this poll, Al. You know, something, like, something about a camel and eye of a needle or something. I, yeah, um, <laughs> I personally am voting for number seven. Brokeback Mountain is still a really yeah. evil movie. I love that one. And I, what I, I really love the most, like, this takes me back to a time in church where this guy was speaking out against the Real Housewives TV show, the reality show. He said, oh, that's an evil show. I'm like, have you seen it? You know, that, that, he's like, well, no, but it's evil. I'm like, well, how do you know it's evil if you haven't seen it? So, I mean, I, I, to be fair, I haven't seen Brokeback Mountain, but I, um, I, yeah, I haven't seen it either. It's just, a, I, I guess, it's just. I, I always, I always like uh, looking at irony. The irony oh, yeah, is, sure. is that Larry H. Miller owned a number of movie theaters. Uh, uh -huh. We're referencing back to when Larry Miller banned Brokeback oh, Mountain famously, and it went right. viral. Yeah, I forget. Larry Miller, uh, he owns more businesses. Well, I mean, the late Larry Miller, he owns more businesses than the Lord does. Well, not necessarily. The church owns its fair amount of businesses, too. And pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> he's, he's in good company. And so yeah. it, it's amazing that all of these incredibly violent movies, incredibly yeah. movies, sexually graphic. Now, it was heterosexually graphic content and also yeah. misogynistic, racist movies, just, a, you know, just mm -hmm. terrible films. Um, yeah. Those n didn't have one issue with any of those, but mm -hmm. um, a couple of cowboys hugged in a tent, and that's where the band comes in. Come on, man. Yeah, this. Uh, so, so they refused to play Brokeback Mountain at the the Larry Miller. Wow. Yes, that's, that's the entire joke here. Okay, my jokes are oh, so hard man. to. Yeah, this is. But I, I remember when when the movie came out. Yeah. Uh, but. I forgot that little tidbit. Thank you for reminding me. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, Gail, wow. she just, in that church news article, she wanted to reiterate that Brokeback Mountain, it's not gotten any better, okay? Just for but, information. And, and I'll tell you something, Gail. Uh, Salt Lake City hasn't gotten any better. It's one of the big LGBTQ hubs in the world now. Uh, there's there's a, a huge population of the LGBTQ community in Salt Lake City. So by your own standard, I, you know, I, personally, I think it's great. But uh, by Gale's standard, uh, it's not gotten any better because they banned Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fact, it grew. <laughs> exactly. Now, oh, this is a real quick article. We only got two articles left to go here, Al. Uh, and this is always uh, BYU Education Week. That's that's always been very big here. And, uh, you know, the church historian, they're down there at BYU. What is Church Education Week down there anyway, Al? Uh, so... Uh, Church Education Week uh, is a they take a, a basically a week long conference for anybody who's super into uh, LDS church doctrine. Um, this is a, a little different than the uh, CES symposiums used to be, but it's, this is kind of for anybody. It's almost like a uh, for the strength of youth for adults in the LDS church is a good way of putting it. It's a conference where they have different speakers, different topics, and uh, a lot of times they'll come up with different ideas uh, from apologists of how to uh, handle some difficult uh, some difficult things, maybe some things that were brought up in the CES letter, right? Uh, some responses to that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, well, I just want to tweet this out very briefly here, that the attendance for the um, Education Week is uh -huh. really, really down. And it kind of reminds me here, this is uh, Chino Blanco, who we had on the program here. He follows Mormon news, I think, better than pretty much anybody on the planet, except for yeah. Peggy Fletcher Stack or Tad Welch. Anyway, he tweeted this out. Like the thrilling Mormon pageants of yesteryear, BYU Education Week is a phenomenon on its last legs. Attendance is sparse, and enthusiasm is kaput. It's just that the numbers are down. The enthusiasm is down. The age of the people who's involved is up. Are we going to see it eventually go just kind of like the pageants, just, you know, one of those uh, things that just is in the dustbin of history? Well, um, when it stops making money, that's exactly what will happen. <laughs> uh, so they're, if, it, if they stop selling tickets and it becomes more of a cost to run than it's uh, profitable to run, yeah, they'll do away with it. 
Yeah. Now, um, our, our last article, this is a thunderbolt here. The, the church has announced, um, the board of the church board of education has approved uh, updates to the uh, student ecclesiastical endorsement, the honor code, the dress and the grooming principles and expectations for the church educational system here. We've got a long uh, awaited update here to BYU campuses. Um, what's oh. going on with this, Al? Scandal. <laughs> yeah, this is, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, this is like, uh, let's see. If in the Handmaid's Tale, they allowed the uh, handmaids to take off their little white bonnets. Um, yeah, that would be less scandalous than what uh, BYU-Idaho is allowing their students to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely incredible. Let me just give you a sum up here of what we're seeing in here. Let me play this. This is make a, making national news here, Al. Let me get your reaction. Educational system updating its guidelines for students. The updated rules focusing on ecclesiastical endorsements, which students have to receive each year from their local church leader. The honor code and dress and grooming standards. While no major changes were made for dress and grooming standards for students, the updated rules align expectations at all church schools. Previously, only students at BYU-Idaho were not allowed to wear shorts. Now students at all campuses have the same rules, meaning Everyone can wear modest shorts. The church saying this, we are striving to create a culture that is consistent with the distinct religious purpose of CES institutions. The church runs four educational institutions, including BYU in Provo, BYU-Idaho, BYU-Hawaii, and Enzyme College. Now, the students at BYU can now finally wear shorts. Modest shorts. Um, so, you know, at least knee length. We don't want to expose any uh, any leg right uh, no absolutely not mo Definitely. modest has been hottest for a long time and uh it just got a little cooler yeah okay <laughs> so a couple of other tweets i got a lot of so this is making the rounds on social media at the end of the day we're just doing the best we can so um we were looking can, can we get an equal treatment update from god and his university no the best i can do is shorts i love that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, so for also Sky Anderson, who's a, a kind of a, a, a gay LDS uh, apologist, he's saying, I'm grateful to see this clarification added to BYU's honor code. So even though I thought the original language was clear enough, some still found overly complex justifications for same-sex romantic behavior on campus. So the division will always exist, but clarity leaves less room for it. So he's speaking in particular, and this is probably what is going viral the most is this particular quote. Yeah. It says that the honor code, can you read this quote here, Al? What is this I sure can. The honor code includes the commitment to live a chaste and virtuous life, including abstaining from any sexual relations outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. New language clarifies living a chaste and virtuous life also includes abstaining from same-sex romantic behavior. All right. What are you getting from that, Al? Um, so, yeah, as long as uh, you're, you're married to a member of the opposite sex, you can have sexual relations, but any romantic behavior uh, between people that you're not married to that's of the opposite sex from you, that's uh, still prohibited. And uh, they're not going to be changing that anytime soon. It's uh, They're doubling down on, uh, they don't want same-sex uh, what courtship going on. <laughs> no, absolutely. And this is, uh, I just want to bring up this tweet here. This is a shadow definition of church doctrine. Mm -hmm. Chastity now precludes, this is really important now, chastity now precludes romantic relationships for gay people in the church. They don't mm -hmm. just have to abstain from sex because that's not what it said. No. It says that they can't have romance. Yeah, okay? they can't even, yeah, they can't date. They can't, uh, what, even associate, really? Anything, uh, that could, anything that could light a spark between them. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is a, a preclusion on physical activity. It, it's not a preclusion of physical activity. It's a preclusion on love. So yeah. what that says is it's not that you can't say, OK, this is just about, you know, we don't allow premarital sex at any of the BYUs and gay persons are no different. No, now we have a difference. It says that you can't even engage in romantic behavior. OK, that means that you can't give a same sex person. Is that a hug? Is that is that holding hands? Yeah. Is that kissing another individual? None of those, to my knowledge, even according to church doctrine, are sins, Al. It's not mm -hmm. a sin to hold someone's hand. It's not a yeah. sin to give someone a kiss. But no. now, we, it says that you can't even have any romantic behavior at all. You can't even give someone a romantic hug. Yeah. Um, 
I think they're going a little extreme with uh, some of the things that Paul said about celibacy. Um, but Paul also said, yeah, greet each other with the holy kiss, but that's considered romantic behavior. Uh, so this is, uh, yeah, the waters are muddy. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, it, this takes me back. If you remember the last update to the LGBTQ policies on BYU campuses, this was back in 2020, back in March of 2020. And yeah. this is where um, the church said at BYU, it said, quote, in instances of LGBTQ students, holding hands will be handled on a case by case basis, end quote. Mm -hmm. OK, so it seems like we're taking a step back here. But I mean, this is this is what we need to be. Look, OK, you, you're going to college, you, you're paying tuition, but we need college administrators to be looking at people's case files for people holding hands. That That's that's where we're spending our tithing dollars to pay for administrators who are going to be looking at the case. file. Oh, we got another case file, somebody holding hands. Let's take it. Let's open an inquiry that that's where we were at in 2020. And it seems like that's where we're at once again. Yep. Um, not a lot of progress. We're not really moving forward. <laughs> no, not moving forward at all. And it's not just yeah. the LGBTQ um, issue here. Perspective BYU students, Al, according to Peggy Fletcher Stack, will face a set of questions that are much like the Temple Recommend questions. Uh, uh, with one with, about agreeing with the church added in. It's like an additional ecclesiastical endorsement yeah. for basically thought police, thought control. It, it, so, I mean, if we look at the LGBTQ stuff, it's you can't even have romantic thoughts. And now the questions are once again very much policing your thoughts. It used mm -hmm. to be that, you know, okay, we judge people and their character on their actions. This mm -hmm. entire revamp is all about making sure that your thoughts are the church's thoughts, not God's thoughts, the church's mm -hmm. thoughts. It's a, it's a yeah. major thought police incursion into student life. True. And uh, these students are, uh, at least they're, they know exactly what they're getting into going forward. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we don't have time to, basically it says, you know, we, we don't have time to go into all of the questions here. Mm -hmm. we, we're going to link all of these into our show notes. If you just take a look at our, into our show notes here, um, especially if you come on over to Patreon. Uh, on our Patreon, we have the full episodes. They're ad-free. You get early access, and they include all of the um, links and all of the commentary that goes along with us. The best way to enjoy this program, program if you're interested in it, is to join our Patreon, which is um, very, very inexpensive. But um, I just... You know, Al, I, I, I gave you a scoop on the ground here that I have gotten a picture of what the new dress code at BYU-Idaho looks like. Mm -hmm. And I just want to get your thoughts. What do you think about this new dress code here um, that they've got going? For shame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be a while before we see that kind of a dress code accepted at uh, BYU. I mean, it took, it took BYU-Idaho <laughs> until 2023 to allow kids to wear shorts. Uh, they're not going to be wearing uh, leotards and uh, exercise clothes. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and I'm a member of the Trexmo meme club on uh, Facebook, so I created this. It does look like, um, uh, you know, maybe this is the BYU-Idaho dress code. Not sure about it. Could it. Be. Well, I don't think so, because you can see her shoulders and elbows on the, the wrong <laughs> okay. right yeah. <laughs> well, you got to be careful about that. So uh, let me ask you this, Al. What is your biggest takeaway? Because there was a several updates as we covered already here. There was, um, what is the biggest takeaway from the CS student rule changes? Is it number one, BYU-Idaho students can now wear shorts? Or is it number two, more questions with bishops? Or is it number three, zero meaningful change? Or number four, is it still no ban on soaking? Boy, uh, the, the real big one uh, is that zero meaningful change. Um, but I, I personally, I think that the big takeaway from this is BYU Idaho can wear shorts now, because I mean, that that's what we're. That, this is where we are, and the, you know, when the, when people talk about Gilead and the Handmaid's Tale, that's BYU Idaho Rexburg is Gilead, uh, <laughs> the, the yes. home of uh, Chad Daybell, Nori Palo, yeah. <laughs> You know, Saudi Arabia finally gave women the right to vote here a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And just a few short years later, Al, BYU-Idaho has a lot of people who wear shorts. We're really mm -hmm. making progress in our modern society. I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, but, but this is important, Al. Guess who still wouldn't be allowed to enroll at BYU-Idaho? Oh, well, he could wear shorts, but not a dress. 
Uh, uh, no, you can't. No, beards. The beards out. Oh, and the beards. beards. Yeah, and the long hair. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, so, and he's exposing way too much cleavage. Exactly. So he's got the beard. He's got the hair. He's got. He's not wearing the proper garments. And by the way, you cannot have flip flops on campus at BYU Idaho either. You cannot right. wear flip flops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Jesus is out at BYU Idaho. Yep. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but Br Brigham Young's still good. He can go. <laughs> oh no, he's got the beard. Oh, and the long hair. That's the Br crazy thing. Is B Brigham Young University? Brigham Young himself couldn't attend. Yeah. Because the that, beer prohibition is still there. Yeah, and he did have long hair, so yeah, he he's got a problem. And he's a polygamist, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, he's got a lot of the, Actually, the namesake has a lot of problems. <laughs> see, and, and Brigham Young was a basically an incredible racist, but those mm -hmm. policies have since been disavowed. So if you were to actually believe what Brigham Young believes, you would mm -hmm. be affiliating with uh, thoughts or philosophies that don't align with the modern church. So the uh, fact that he's an incredible racist would also ban him from attendance. And once again, Rexburg, Idaho is where Chad Daybell, who's what we would call a fringe uh, kind of weirdo with some, a, a lot of the ideas that uh, these fringe groups have are very reminiscent of things that Brigham Young taught. So yeah, this is, that, that, that's kind of that neighborhood. Yeah, weird. Okay. <laughs> Let me give you, one, give you one last sum up here from an article that I found this week, which I actually think sums up the news here for this uh, week pretty well. And this was from Michael Benjamin, who, who tweeted this out. LVS Church uh, Church Press releases this week, August 21st. Don't be prejudiced against LGBTQ. This includes prejudice based on gender or sexual orientation. He's okay. referencing the uh, the missionary handbook was updated to include this verbiage, okay? Yeah. But then, three days later... We are prejudiced against LGBTQ because living a chaste and virtuous life includes abstaining from same-sex romantic behavior, and you cannot attend any church institution or university if you do so. Do you see the? I always look for the irony here, Al. Do, I, do you see that's, the irony here? That's beautiful. Uh, let's see. I don't know if hypocrisy or contradiction. It's a direct contradiction, is what it is. Yeah. Direct contradiction. Yeah, it's just, I think that sums up. The, I think that sums up the week in uh, Mormonism pretty well. Um, uh -huh. Al, have we ruminated properly on the Great and Spacious Beehive? Absolutely. Like I said, this week I was very fortunate to be on because of all the news this week. It's been a juicy one. Great. Can you take us out? Absolutely. Hey, thank you all very much for joining us here as we've ruminated on the Great and Spacious Beehive. Uh, big shout out to Weird Alma on Bandcap.com for this episode's music. And uh, thank you all so much for joining us. Remember, remember, no one hallowed hand can stop this podcast from progressing. When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Hey there, brothers and sisters. Thanks for listening to the Mormon News Roundup. And if you are enjoying this show, please consider making a donation. Patreon makes an important contribution to helping us ruminate on the great and spacious beehive here. So thanks so much to everyone for, for supporting us on Patreon.com.